Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Rich Politics with me, your host, Richard Taylor. I'm so excited about my guest today because I've got someone on the show that I disagree with politically. Can you believe that? Well, you know me, just a rant, Welshman ranting about all things politics. And don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms, on Facebook, Twitter, but more importantly, on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button to support the channel. Well, my guest today is someone who believes in Welsh independence. And of course, you all know that I don't. But that doesn't matter because Rich Politics is about having people on with different opinions. That's the idea of having a broadcast channel that allows anything and everything to come on within reason. But today we're not discussing Welsh independence. We're discussing something called universal basic income. Now, you may have heard of it. You may not have, but my guest will explain a little bit later what that's about. It's not universal credit, for those of you wondering. So please go ahead while I'm speaking, share the broadcast on Facebook and on YouTube and get people on as well. And if you've got any questions or comments, feel free to ask. Uh, and, you know, we try our best to answer them if we're able to. Well, my guest today's name is Geraint Jones. He's from uh, my neck of the woods, really. Well, Clidrach near Swansea. Well, he's Jack, Jack Army kind of land, not quite Clanetley way, but uh, I'm excited to have him on because I met him actually on social media, which is a great place to meet people. Not everybody. Some people are idiots, but he's not one of them. He's a good boy. He's a good bloke, as we say. Good boy in Wales, as we say. Geraint, welcome to Rich Politics. Uh, thank you, Rich. Thanks for having me on. Ah, it's it's great to have you. It's great to have you. Now, Geraint, uh, we've we've had kind of disputes uh, online, and we both of us on universal basic income because you're a, you're an advocate for it. I I wonder first of all, would you explain to our viewers what is universal basic income? Yeah, certainly. Um, so a UBI or universal basic income is a regular, equal, and non-returnable cash benefit that is received individually by all citizens regardless of their material and occupational situation. So, in other words, it's a monthly payment that everyone would have that's not means-tested. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I've done a bit of research on this. So, basically, for our viewers, what that means is whether you work or not, everybody gets a set amount of income in the country. That's what you, That's what universal basic income is, regardless that's of right. their, whether they're employed or not. Now, why is this so different then from what we currently have with the benefit system through universal credit? So uh, as things stand, we've got an economy which is largely based on, well, you know, obviously the private sector and the public sector. Um, over the last few decades, our public sector has become extremely bloated, bureaucratic um, and very time consuming and and limited opportunities as well. The private sector has got very corporate, um, in some ways very exploitative, um, and also uh, with all that going on, we've also got a, a, a growing, le growing levels of poverty and a benefit system which isn't really working at the moment. So a UBI would come in and tackle it in two different ways. Firstly, it would give people who are in work that extra insurance, if you like, that if they were in a work in work they weren't getting the right the workplace rights they wanted or the, the, the joy of the work they wanted, or if they weren't they're looking for new prospects, maybe they wanted to start their own business. Um, a UBI would give them an opportunity to leave a workplace and go and find new opportunities. With regards to the benefit system, at the moment, there's a very complicated benefit system. Obviously, you mentioned universal credit, but there's also 
a whole host of other benefits that people have to apply for, including tax credits. Now, the problem with this system is that people have to claim and work very very hard just to claim everything and make sure they're getting the right benefits they're entitled to. Um, so, and the problem is sometimes people can end up in a trap where they can be claiming as many as much benefits as they can. However, if they were to find a part-time job, for example, they'd lose some of their benefits. So a UBI tackles that issue by ensuring that they've guaranteed source of income, even if they go finding part-time jobs or start their own business. Yeah, but Geraint, surely, like, let's be honest, you know, right? In a world where if you could not work and get an, so, an income for actually not working, a benefit, if you like, as we call it today, for not actually working or going through any of the rigmarole you have to, to claim benefits as they currently stand called universal credit and those other benefits. I mean, what incentive is there for people to actually want to work? We could end up with an economy that is struggling because people who work pay taxes, which generates the funds, which then is used, I should imagine, to support your claim of UBI. But then if people decide, well, you know what, what's the point going to work? when I can get money for nothing. It's the old Dire Straits song, isn't it? Money for nothing, chicks for free. Why would people bother when they can get a basic income just for sitting at home? Um, yeah, Rich, I, I, I see, see your point. I think that's one of the common uh, criticisms of UBI is um, effects on productivity, effects on employment, and also, yeah, criticism that if we were taxing people in work to fund people out of work, um, then, you know, you wouldn't exactly be that happy about it if you were one of the people working. Um, however, with, with UBI, when it comes to um, that, that situation, where, where, first of all, with the funding model of it, um, we would need to address the tax system. I, I don't feel like it, just having a UBI brought out tomorrow um, at, you know, at an amount um, that would be, let's say, £1,000 a month, if we were to roll that out tomorrow for everybody in the United Kingdom, um, it would, first of all, it'd be inflationary um, and probably would lead to hyperinflation. So we would have to roll it out in a very controlled way, um, in such a way that, first of all, the tax system will need to be simplified. Um, having a tax, having a complicated, complex tax system, which we have, where there's different tiers, there's different ways, things that, are that are, you can put against tax, um, so we need to um, go with a policy that the, the party GLAAD are advocating, which is a flat rate of income tax, which would be a lot simpler and it wouldn't affect people um, earning if it, basically everybody would would contribute equally to this system. Uh, the other thing is when it comes to actually funding the whole um, process in the first place is we need to be fully aware that you know, spending is funded by government borrowing. Um, it's not just a simple model of the tax goes in, the spending comes out. We're talking here about using purchases, so purchasing government bonds and we're borrowing, and then we have to pay back those bonds. That's how the system works. Yeah. So well, if we have a tax system that enabled the UBI to be fiscally neutral, then we, we would end up with a system where we'd maintain a stable currency and we'd maintain a stable UBI. Well, you know, I, I just just a thought, Ace. You know, look, you know, I don't agree with UBI. I, I, I can't for the life of me work out how it would ever work. I mean, it would need a massive revolutionary change for it to happen. Certainly, I mean, government borrowing is at an all-time high. Not just because the pandemic; it's been grow, growing, you know, for the last two two decades. I mean, we're talking trillions of pounds. So, the government is in debt, but then you're suggesting that people, just a political advocate, don't work. 
and they receive a basic income. I mean, what what, what kind of income are you talking about? Thousand pound a month, twelve hundred pound a month? What what what's the what's the budget? What's the plan? How would it work? Who would receive it? And surely those who pay tax, like those of us who work, for example, it, we we'd find that disproportionate and unfair. There's inequalities there. Now we have a system already set up where those who are less fortunate than ourselves were unable to work for a whole number of legitimate reasons. We don't mind paying taxes to support them because we live in a, in a society that supports those who are less or worse off than us. But surely this universal basic income does away with that to a certain extent and allows room for abuse as well. And of course, for government debt to increase because if people aren't working, the economy is not growing, people aren't paying taxes, where does the government get its money from? It can't print any more, can it? Um, yeah, that's a good question, Rich. Um, when it comes to the actual um, money that needed to be spent um, on a UBI, I've actually done some sums here um, just to give us some sort of idea of what figures we're dealing with. Um, so the furlough cost um, during the COVID pandemic from March to December 2020, £46.4 billion. Pounds. Um, the Department of Work and Pensions budget um, is approximately £200 billion. Pounds. Now, I worked out that if we gave a £500 per month to every individual in the United Kingdom, uh, it would have an annual budget of £314 billion. Now, as you can see, if we were to get rid of, um, if we were to, sorry, implement a UBI, we wouldn't need a Department of Work and Pensions because that system would look after itself. So that's £200 billion saving less than £314 billion um, figure right there. Now with furlough, that would be obviously absorbed into the sum as well, because there's no fine furloughing anyone if everyone's getting a UBI. But when it comes to the uh, question around um, work incentives and uh, grievances amongst um, the working population about funding people to be out of work, uh, I don't see UBI in that light, to be honest. I, I think UBI, um, the purpose would be that the people in work would it, this is not a cash giveaway. I feel like as if the, the people in work would be happy because they know that if they wanted to change job, they'd be easier for them to do that. And they'd know that people who are trying to find work would have somewhere to start as well. Yeah, I understand that. But here's the promise. Our jobs market is a very small market, right? So if there aren't jobs available and you've got a choice, so you can either get a low-paid job. So let's just say, take your figure, for example, of £500 a month. Let's just take that as a, as a ballpark figure. So you can sit at home. I'm, I'm obviously exaggerating you. You're in £500 a month, but then you can get a job in Tesco stacking shelves for £500 a month after you paid your taxes. What are you going to do? You're going to stay at home. There's no incentive because the jobs market is small. It's not growing because there's no there's not enough revenue going in to create more jobs because that comes out of tax. Whether we like it or not, get and you and I know very well that the whole of our society is built on one thing, tax. Without that, there is no revenue. The, the government can't simply keep borrowing because the debt is so now I want to talk with this because th this has been rolled out in a few other countries. They have experimented this in a few other countries. Um, and I've, I've been reading some, doing some research before I spoke to you today. Um, also, obviously, during the, the pandemic, COVID, we've seen a kind of a UBI being rolled out in the furlough scheme, as you've already uh, uh, mentioned there. But it's the long term sustainability. So what you're believing is that we you have confidence in citizens of our country to say, right, OK, um, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to educate myself. I don't need to worry about money. I can go ahead and do it, not worry about paying my bills and then obviously get a job or get the education. I need to get the qualifications for a better paid job in the future. 
you've got a lot more trust in the citizens of our country than I have, Geraint. I have to be honest with you. <laughs> um, I feel a, a little bit of a pessimistic take there, Rich. I gotta say, <laughs> um, I, I, I've got confidence that that the UBI, if implemented well, obviously is very important. That is planned very well. I, it wouldn't work with the current tax system. It wouldn't work without a good long-term analysis of the amount to give. I mean, if we if we just printed money and just gave it without analysing it, I think it could lead to a lot mm. of problems. Um, but when it comes to, I think the, um, the 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 likelihood the people would just not do anything, I don't think that's the right approach either. Because I think there'll be free it'll free people up for volunteering, they'll free people up for community activities, free people up to maybe have more than one part-time job. Mm. It can free people up for, we've got a very, uh, an aging population, um, healthcare needs and social care needs are not being met. So it'll free people up to tackle one of the biggest problems in the United Kingdom today, which is loneliness. Mm. Um, so I, I don't think that it can just be seen as a, everybody will sit at home and there'll be no economy to talk about. Um, I think, and the other thing to say is that if we were to actually implement it at a, at a good level, um, it would actually boost economic output because more people would have more money to spend. And that would obviously in the long term lead to us being closer at balancing the budget than being more more, more in deficit. But surely they're spending the money the government have given them for free. Well, it's not free because it's come out of tax, isn't it? So it's kind of this big vicious cycle, isn't it? Now, uh, j just for the sake of it, because you've obviously done your homework on UBI, I know you're a big advocate for it. What are the pros and what are the cons then? Because you must realise there are the downsides. So you tell us what the pros are and tell us what the cons are, Geraint. Yeah, of course. Um, so the pros are, first of all, is that nobody would have to worry about running on zero. You'd be able to move jobs, you'd be able to train, you'd be able to go to university, be able to take up apprenticeships, you'll get paid. The other thing is it'll cut poverty. We've got a very impoverished country, very unequal country, and it'll go a long way towards tackling that. The other thing is the threat of automation uh, to our economy. We've already got technology that can displace a lot of jobs. Um, we've got 3D printers, we've got automatic cars, um, we've got the internet, we've got a lot of technology which is going to take a lot of jobs away. We've got a globalised supply chain. So if somebody in another country, thousands of miles away, decides to open a factory there, they can take our jobs away. If, if we give people a UBI, it'll mean that they feel safe and secure here, they will not need to worry about their job being taken away and they can seek to retrain. Um, also, it'll cut bureaucracy. A big part of the problem at the moment is the Department of Work for Pensions has got to try and assess every single person on what they're entitled to. Obviously, you can, as you can imagine, it's a bureaucratic mess. Um, the other thing is that also there, there'd be no incentive for people to try and commit fraud within the system because they get it anyway. And the other, and the other pro would be um, we live in a, in a labour market, which, like you said earlier, is there's a shortage of jobs, there's a shortage of uh, the economy hasn't been growing as much as we would like it to. Um, and what the UBI does is give every employee, every person, individual, better bargaining power within the overall economy. They can come along and say, look, I'm going to only take jobs that are worthwhile doing, that, mm. that aren't going to hinder me, that aren't going to affect my personal life. Um, and if you don't provide the work, place conditions that I want, then I'm going to go elsewhere. 
Um, obviously, I want to touch on the Collins as well. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say because it, it, it all sounds very optimistic and it sounds it sounds exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the reality for me, I listening to you and I think, yeah, that all sounds really good, but <laughs> and it's a big but. It doesn't add up, does it? I mean, there's what, what are the cons then? Give us the list of the cons then. So yeah, so as I mentioned, one con earlier was the obviously it, it's not cheap. It's going to be a it's going to be a the cost of it is going to be. Colossal. Um, it's colossal, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, it's, it's a huge cost. <laughs> but like I mentioned, like no one would have thought before COVID that we would have spent £46.4 billion pounds between March and December 2020 in paying people to stay at home. And that, that would yeah. not happen. And that's on, that's on top of the Welsh Government receiving just under £6 billion well, as the, well. The, the, the Welsh Government, yeah, the, the, their annual budget uh, is £18.4 billion. Yeah. So, so that just gives you a bit of um, reference there. Um, but obviously, so the cost is a big one. The other one would be um, the fact that it, it's not re it's been tested, it's been trials, but nothing on a big enough scale. No, they, um, they 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 tried it. Sorry to interrupt you. They tried it in Brazil, didn't they? That was one of the places. Sao Paulo, I think. I, I read some research on it uh, this morning, and they 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 tried it there. It's not so much the idea sounds good to me, and it would to a lot of people, I suppose, because we want a fair society where everyone's equal. It's just the colossal cost of it and the the idea that politicians, I mean, is it an optimistic dream that not just you carry, but many across the political spectrum here in Wales, I've heard a lot of Labour supporters and, uh, you know, maybe Welsh Conservatives here that, that feel that this might be appropriate. I haven't spoken to many Welsh Conservatives who think it is, but uh, it is an opinion shared by a lot of people, isn't it? I know uh, I've been speaking to a number of people who are pro-Welsh independence, for example. They, they'd support it. I, I've come across a few of those. I mean, it is a growing phenomenon and people are interested in it, but is it just a pipe dream gear, right? Is it the reality? Is it worth fighting for? Is it going to happen? Sorry, Rich. Can I just get my phone charger? The phone's about Yes, to yes. No problem. That's Sorry. no problem. <laughs> As gear, I just leave in there. I just want to, uh, just to tell you, just listen, hey, share the broadcast, um, you know, put any comments in as well. We'd appreciate it because, of course, we're speaking about something that's very important. It's something I don't agree with. I don't believe universal basic income would work for the masses because I think it'll just be a costly, expensive project that's never going to happen. But Geraint obviously thinks it does. And so uh, I'm waiting for him to come back on. He's just getting his phone charger. So you just bear with me a few seconds. But, of course, everyone's got their own opinion. What's your opinion? Do you think universal basic income would work? Do you think it's affordable? Do you think it's just another socialist idea? You know, you know, look after everyone. The government pays for it. You don't have to go to work. Ladi la. Uh, personally, I don't think it's going to work. But my guest, Geraint Jones, certainly does. And I'm still waiting for him to come back on. But he is there somewhere. I'll just wait for him to come back on to give him a few seconds. So what do you think, anyway, about universal basic income? Do you think it would work? Well, Geraint, are you, are you back with us? We're just waiting for him to come back on. It's while I'm doing that. Don't forget to tune in Friday night. Uh, we got an exceptional show on Friday night. We're speaking about the Northern Ireland Protocol. Uh, we're going to be speaking to somebody in Northern Ireland, a friend of mine, John Yates, and we're going to be discussing whether or not they should ditch the Northern Ireland Protocol. Because, of course, unfettered access is what Brexit was about, wasn't it? After all, as many of you know, I've had guests on you such as Ben Habib, a champion of Brexit, who believes that the uh, Northern Ireland protocol should be dropped. So he'd be joining me on Friday at seven o'clock here on Rich Politics. But but for now, I'm going to go back to my guest right now, Geraint Jones, who is an advocate for uh, universal basic income, 
who believes that if every citizen here in the in the country, in Wales and the UK, was to receive a minimum amount of, let's say, £500 a month without going to work, then it would lift us out of poverty. I don't think so, because who's going to pay for it? So that's the idea anyway. Uh, Geraint is joining us now. There you are. Geraint, welcome back. Uh, thanks, Rich. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is technical issues. You know what it's like. We're live. You know what it's like. Uh, yeah, so going back to that uh, question about the, the, the pros and the cons we've talked about, is it really just a pipe dream, though? You know, one of those things that you and many others that would advocate for it um, support in, and I've seen it with a lot of the Welsh independence crowd and others as well. Is it just a pipe dream? Come on, let's be honest. Is it just one of those things that's never going to happen, Geraint? Um, I, I don't think so. Um, it has actually got a lot of history that I'm not sure everyone's aware of because, for, for one, it's actually going on now with one place in the world. Um, in Alaska, um, you've got the Alaska Permanent Fund, which has been going on since 1976, um, which pays um, every single citizen in Alaska a fixed monthly um, sum. Uh, and that's that's the long-term analysis of that has shown it hasn't had an, a negative effect on employment. Um, the trials, obviously, you can't read into them too much just because they're small scale. Um, we've had a Finland trial um, and we've had two trials in Canada and trials in various other parts of the world. Um, the effect um, they've had have been very positive. Um, including uh, improvements in mental health, uh, less hospitalizations. Um, we've had zero changes in productivity with positive effects on employment. Um, we've had people staying on in education longer. Um, overall, it's, it's a very good picture. I, I just think that it's the it's, it's not a pipe dream. I, I think it will happen in the end. It's just I feel like the alternative is a lot worse in the long term. Um, I mean, a jobs-based economy um, is not what we're trying to get rid of. What we're trying to what, what we're trying to advocate is a, an independent um, small business owner economy, and I think that's what a UBI would help. Um, that instead of having a, a, an economy dominated by um, big employers, uh, either corporations or big public bodies like the NHS. Well, surely you're creating a welfare state there, and this is a socialist project. Come on, Geraint, surely you must recognise that. I mean, you know, we've uh, socialism, obviously, under Welsh Labour here in Wales, we know a lot about it, right? But <laughs> in the details, it, that's what it is, really. It's a socialist idea, isn't it? Um, uh, well, a lot of people would beg to differ. Um, we've had the, the free market economist Milton Friedman um, described UBI as a negative income tax. So he was the mo one of the biggest supporters of the sort of free market capitalist economy. Um, we've also had um, Andrew Yang, um, who was running for mayor of New York at the moment. Uh, he's a big fan of UBI. Um, so although I think it appeals cross spectrum, I see why, the so uh, why it appeals to socialists and people who support sort of more free market economics. Um, because I think under the capitalist sort of look on it, it gives everyone an opportunity to pursue their own individual aspirations. Um, and from a socialist point of view, it provides like a safety net a wel or a welfare safety net, if you like, to ensure that no one ends up um, with, with basically being you know, homeless or, yeah. or unemployed. Well, look, I, I can see how this would work in a, in a poor country. 
right? I, I, you know, if it was, you know, somewhere in India in some shanty town where everyone's given a burst basic income, I can see it working there. But come on, in the UK, I mean, it's I, I really can't see it happening. I mean, not just because the fiscal impact of it, but I, I mean, I, I'm not as optimistic as you over our citizens here in the UK or in Wales. I, I just can't get my head on the fact that if I could stay at home and just get a, a you know an, enough income to get me by and pay my bills and everything else i mean as much as i believe in people's aspirations and not everyone thinks the same some people will want to better their lives you know a lot of people look at the, the welfare state now the cost of the government currently universal I'm, I'm not sure what the latest figures from the dwp are but they're staggeringly high cost since the pandemic people have lost jobs you know there's less work about people have relied on government handouts i mean the, the idea of a, of universal basic income right now surely is something that is not not on people's radars and it's not going to happen is it um i wouldn't say it's not on people's radars um there's a lot of people supporting it at the moment um you know, politically speaking um the green party's a long-term supporter of it um here in wales um glad to support it also the cnf um have recently um, had a lot of discussions about it late with Welsh Labour and Plaid Cymru showing support for it as well. Um, so I think there's a lot of noise around it. I, I don't think it's something that everyone's ignoring. But in, in terms of the long-term um, sort of economic outlook, um, yeah, I, I just think that if it's implemented well and the tax system is, is adjusted to take into account um, to, to ensure that we don't enter into a sort of inflationary period, um, I, I generally don't think that it is seen as a negative because at the end of the day, it will boost economic output by giving people more money to spend. And that, if done well, will only lead to growth in the long term. Well, folks, you, you've heard it here on Rich Politics, UBI. If you've never heard of it before, you have now. Um, as you can tell, I don't agree with it, but Geraint loves it and he thinks it'll be good for uh, our country. But that's the whole idea, see, to have different debates about different issues around, you know, not just universal basic income, but politics as well. So, again, I want to finish off the, the my time with you because our time is almost up, unfortunately, uh, and ask you ahead of the elections in May, should they go ahead? I mean, we... We'll find out a little bit today. And what time is it now, Ashley? Well, we should know by the end of today, but certainly. Um, what's your thoughts then? Do you, do you think there's going to be some changes in the Senate? Do you think Plaid will make any inroads, any ground? Will Labour concede any seats here in Wales? Well, what's your thoughts? And what do you think about Abolish as well? Of course, you know I'm standing for them and with them and whatever else. Well, what's your thoughts, Geraint? Um, well, Rich, I, I wish you very well um, with your prospects in the election. Um, I I've seen you having quite a, a big um, campaign uh, on social media. Seems to be working out for you. So I, I wish you well with that. Thank you. Um, in terms of the uh, CNF election, um, it's quite a quite a difficult one to call, I think. Um, COVID has changed a lot of things. Um, a lot of things we thought would have been completely unrealistic 12 months ago have happened. Mm. Um, there's... In terms of Labour and Plaid Cymru, um, perhaps there might be a changing of the guard. Maybe it'll be a Plaid-dominated um, coalition with Labour. That's what it seems like to me is the most likely um, uh, sort of outcome. Uh, from my own point of view, I'd like to see the smaller parties gain a few seats, um, including Glad, um, Neil McAvoy's party, uh, the Green Party. I'd, I'd like to see them do well. And of course, if 
if no one else is willing to um, raise a voice um, for um, some of the, you know, some of the sort of um, some of the policies, let's say, that haven't worked out well in recent months, um, I, of course, would support the abolished party as well. We, we just need to make sure everyone has a voice. Yeah, I mean, we've got to, we've got to give everyone a fair shout. I mean, I mean, you know, because being elected is about representing, you know, what the people, the electorate want, electorate want. So if they want to get rid of devolution, they've got to have a voice somewhere, haven't they? And it's the same with the one independence. They have to have a voice there as well. I think there's going to be a lot of splitting of the votes, certainly with the independence, because you've got Neil McAvoy still yet to register his party, but then you've got Plaid and you've got Glad Glad and these smaller fringe parties. But um, I, I do... You know, I think the elections are going to be very interesting in Wales uh, this May. I think it's going to there's going to be a few shocks, um, not just because of recent polls, but I just sense the public mood uh, is a lot different to what it has been in previous elections here in Wales. I think we're going to see a slightly higher turnout um, than we have because it's always very low, as you know, for Welsh elections. I think there's going to be some big shocks in store for people. Um, I'm looking forward to it certainly. Um, and you mentioned Glad Glad. I know. That uh, you're a supporter of Glad Glad, aren't you? Um, yeah, I thought you were good. I, I, I'm look, listen, I'm, I'd be delighted to have somebody on from Glad Glad to talk about uh, what they're about because I know that uh, they believe they believed in Brexit, didn't they? And uh, and they want independence, so slightly different from some of the many others who are supportive of Welsh independence who have been anti Brexit. Um, and they've had to swallow that pill and get over it, if, if you know what I mean. But Gerard, listen, it's been wonderful having you on Rich Politics. Uh, thank you for coming you. on. And to all my viewers as well, an opportunity for you to hear a little bit about someone who believes in universal basic income, what it means and what it looks like, how it will be funded, the pros and the cons. And of course, you can make your own mind up. You don't need to believe what I say or what Geraint says. It's entirely up to you. Thanks for tuning in tonight. I hope to catch you the same time next week on Rich Politics. And don't forget, Friday night, we're talking about the Northern Ireland Protocol with my guest, John Yates. I'll catch you soon on Rich Politics.